The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. Join your host, Scott McClelland of FX Mission, as he deep dives into the lives of leaders to glean secrets that will propel today's leaders to new heights. Here's Scott. Hi, Scott McClelland here with your FX Missions Leadership Moment. We're in the middle of our Profiles in Leadership series. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, if you don't mind, rate us or recommend us. Give us some feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your content. And again, thanks so much for being a part of the uh, Leadership Moment from FX Missions. We're excited today to profile someone with a, a guest that hasn't been on before. And I'm not super familiar with the one we're profiling, so learning something new here. Welcome, Catherine Lagarde. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Oh, I'm in good shape for the shape I'm in. That's what my grandpa used to say. So uh, <laughs> we're doing fine. Thank you. So we've recently met. And that's been awesome. I haven't have yet to meet in person, but looking forward to that as well. We have some common contexts that we work in. Uh, you're with Safari Mission, and uh, you and your husband as well, who will also be joining us on the leadership moment. We're excited about that. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about where you're uh, where you're from, and also a little bit about your ministry. Sure. Yeah, I'm originally from Norway. I uh, came to the States when I was 21 and uh, met my husband, and we've been doing mission work over in East Africa since 2006. So we're over there training leaders, helping people out of poverty, changing their mindset, teaching them how to become producers in society. And we have our own organization called safarimission.org. Okay, safarimission.org, East Africa. Of course, we've been in, we've been kind of doing some stuff in East Africa since '08. So we've been there a little while as well. I'm sure we know some of the same people, and hopefully we can we can catch up over there in context at some point. Thank you so much for joining us on the Leadership Moment, and we're going to have you also and your husband on our other podcast from the forefront to really give us a deep dive about your ministry and background and, and uh, what you guys are up to and where you're headed. So we're looking forward to that as well. Uh, we'll get some notices out when we're getting ready to publish on that. So it might be a little while yet, but yeah, thanks again for being here. Well, thank you. So today we're, we're talking about, I'm going to do a terrible job on my pronunciation because this is a Norwegian name. Hans Nielsen. That's all I got. Hog. 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 Yeah, I'm terrible when it comes to pronouncing things that 
you know, even if it looks like it sounds, but I'm yeah. putting the English filter on it. You know, I'm trying to, I've got a sound blend going on over here and it doesn't do well. Okay. So <laughs> tell us what on this profile, Hans, I'm going to say Hans, I can do that part. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about Hans, how you came to be aware of Hans, what period of time? I'm guessing Hans is already gone. Yes, yeah, he um, he lived 200 years ago, actually, and uh, and he was a very influential person in Norwegian history. Although not really being taught a lot, we I learned about him in school growing up. That was my initial, you know, when I first heard about him in elementary school. Mm-hmm. He just was a spiritual leader at the time that went against the clergy and also a lot of entrepreneurship and really a lot of people attribute him from and his followers from getting Norway out of poverty into one of the richest country in Europe today. Really? So it's quite interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So he, he had a had a he kind of had a counter a countercultural flow though, like in terms of mm-hmm. his approach to what he was doing and what what was going on there was uh different from the context around him it sounds like absolutely he was you know at the time only the priests in the norwegian church was allowed to hold and conduct services and they were very strict about it and uh, he just he was a farmer's boy he grew up on a farm and he was out on the farm one day in the fields and and i remember this from a textbook in school but he just had an encounter with God when he was out in the field and really felt a calling from God to to go and preach and and that's what he did and and he was thrown in prison for it multiple times to spend a total of 9 years in prison during his 50 some years of of life so it was not popular among the clergy but became very popular among the common people wow so had a personal encounter with God in the field somewhere. <laughs> as a, yeah, as a, in his farm, on his farm. Wow. Uh, any yeah. idea what he was at that time? 25 years old. 25. Wow. Yeah. And then he just, you know, started preaching. He uh, he wrote a number of books. I read uh, that he wrote actually 33 books and got his message out, you know, just... You know, just like the Christianity was for the common people, not just for the clergy. And he was really a pioneer in raising up preachers among the lay lay people and just lay preachers. And his followers were preachers, became preachers, but they were persecuted from the government because of this law that was in effect that they were not allowed to preach. But they still did it. They were persecuted for it. But, you know, at the end, they were able to overthrow that law and and we got religious freedom. And as a result, a lot of political parties were started, organizations were started. And I actually read about it today that Norway is today the country with the highest number of organization per population for the population we are. So mm-hmm. they contribute that to his work 200 years ago. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was a that was a really revolutionary period of time. You know, obviously the Renaissance, Enlightenment. There was a lot going on during during that general part of history. Mm-hmm. And you know, for, yeah. for us 
in the States, of course, a very important time for people in the States as well. One thing that we, I think we have trouble understanding or we don't have a grid for really is, you know, like an official church, a state church kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't really, when we say separation of church and state in the U.S., that's very, very common for people to say that. But we really don't know what we're saying in the way that other people in other parts of the world know. Exactly, uh, it's true. Yeah, yeah. So I'm guessing I'm interpreting a little bit what you're saying based on some of what I know. I think Hans was being persecuted by the state church and the right. priest. You're talking about these are officials in a governmental and a spiritual capacity that were persecuting him. Am I am I right? Yeah, that's correct. You know, um, we had a state church in Norway up until a few years ago when they actually officially split. And it it wasn't as strict since his time uh, as, you know, you could have other lay minister and they weren't persecuted. But, you know, you had government controlling the state church. And pretty much unless you're born into another denomination, you will be born into the state church. And and they they can control who is the priest and who does things like that. And so, so it was even worse back in his time because it was it was a law that you had to be an ordained priest with that church to be a minister. You are not even allowed to be a minister, even in a house church, you know, mm-hmm. there were full persecution for that back then. Yeah. And so that's what he pioneered is like he paved the way for other ministers to come and minister the word of God and religious freedom, really. And uh, not just that, but he really had a strong emphasis on entrepreneurship. You know, he was a preacher first and foremost, but mm-hmm. in addition, he would go yeah. around where he preached, he would go around and start businesses. And remember mm-hmm. that this was a really, really poor country back then. And he saw people just being idle and just sitting around doing nothing and just being poor. And he said, you know what? We're going to start businesses. We're going to get the economy going and we're going to get it running and we're going to get out of poverty through that. And a lot of his followers started businesses, and you see uh, that was the start of the Norwegian economy started to grow. And mm-hmm. today, a lot of it because of him, of course, we also got oil, but we are probably the richest country in Europe today. And a lot of it goes back to him because he just instills such a work ethic into the people that he was teaching or the one who was his followers and the businesses were really just got the economy going but also there was such a work ethic instilled in the people and it's felt today wow it's quite amazing it's a fascinating this guy's huge on the landscape of history and in terms not only of doing something maybe nobody had done before but also it Mm -hmm. seems like the changes that he instituted or the changes that he maybe initiated mm-hmm. were things that continued to have impact long after his life. And, and it, it may be even that if we look at this from a spiritual perspective, we saw it as it is. We might even see him as the guy who who kind of helped the separation of church and state in Norway, you know, in a seed form years and years ago, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And and that's the thing about that's it really inspired 
myself and also my husband and the work we do, just seeing that, you know, he was building something that would last for generations to come. He really had an impact, you know, putting what the Bible says about work ethics and just getting that instilled in people. And through that, people are coming out of of poverty just by getting jobs, starting businesses. And that really has inspired the work that we do in Kenya and East Africa right now is that we see, we work among so many poor people as well. And poverty is a great problem in Africa, but we've just seen that a lot of resources and money has been spent in Africa to give people and fulfill their immediate needs, but there hasn't been much training done in how can we get people to permanently get out of poverty. And so that's something that we really focus on there. It's just like instilling the same as Hans did, work ethics and starting businesses and getting people to come out of poverty. And it's going to be a last, long-lasting effect for generations to come. And he's just been really inspirational for what we're doing over there. And he's just had a, we see the results of his work today, 200 years later. And, you know, we just hope that we can instill something in Kenya that can last for the same. You can see that two years, 200 years from now too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and I can, I can personally relate to what you're saying in a fairly, you know, considerable way. My work in East Africa is, it's given me some exposure. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't consider myself, uh, you know, a specialist or, you know, someone as an expert on the context. But the thing I think that impacted me the most when I went to East Africa for the first time, I think I've been five times or six, you know, every few years I've went back since I started, was the poverty of vision. Mm-hmm. You know, like you've heard the books when helping herds or, you know, like mm-hmm. the ideas that some of the efforts that we take as Westerners, to improve things for people is actually, you know, hurting them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. (laughs) (laughs) I'm familiar with this. I've read some on it. But I remember one particular occurrence of this. We were going my first time there. I had a team. We're in rural East Africa, you know, eight and a half hours or so by bus from Nairobi almost in Tanzania, we're driving down the road, you know, with the team and then with our guide and uh, local pastor who was helping us. Someone yelled something from the side of the road and in the, you know, the dialect in the mother tongue of their tribe. Later, I, I asked the pastor, what did that guy say yelling from the side of the road? He said, the guy said, give me something. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of what we've done from the West in terms of relief and trying to, you know, help people sustain minimum, their minimum needs is creating actually dependency. That, that was alarmed by that comment. He didn't know. It It is alarming. Yeah. We've seen that. uh, That's what one of the things that we work on is just uh, reversing the dependency syndrome that has been created in Africa has been created by good intentions, but it's not producing what we want it to produce. And and I just feel like uh, Hans has been such an inspiration to my husband and I in in seeing how it's possible to get a whole country out of poverty. It's not a quick fix. It's not something that happens overnight. But you're starting to build something that really works. It really works. You go to Norway today and, and there is no poor person as we used to see it 
you know, in certain parts of America or even in Kenya or East Africa. It's just such a high standard of living, but it didn't come overnight. And most, a lot of people are not even aware that this person did something so influential and people are benefiting even today. Mm. And that's really been a huge inspiration for us in the work that we do. Absolutely. I think, I think the, it's an interesting and in somewhat unique combination of a figure from history. I don't want to say the guy was a radical. Maybe he was. I don't know too much about him, just what you've told me. But mm-hmm. there was something of a real encounter with God that caused him to obey the gospel. Thank you for joining Scott with today's Leadership Moment. We hope you've apprehended an inspirational nugget or two that, when activated in your own life, will be imparted into those you lead. You may contact Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions.com to learn more about how you can grow your own leadership and engage in missions. Until next time, good day, everyone.